Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. What's the most famous chapter in the Bible? It's hard to argue against Psalm 23. It's only six verses long, but it's been quoted, prayed, memorized, and sung all over the world, 2,500 years after it was written by King David. We're staying in it for four weeks, looking at the places God meets us, the green pastures, the right paths, the dark valleys, and the dinner tables. To find out more about our church, to attend a service, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here, and you could have been anywhere in the world, and you chose to be here. So I just want to say welcome and thank you. Uh, I, I was walking downstairs, and my son looked at me. He's only three years old, and he looked at me like... And I could tell he had a question. I said, what's up? He goes, are you going to work? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, why are you wearing mom's sweatshirt? <laughs> I said, son, what, why do you think this is mom's? He goes, it's pink. And I said, son, it's salmon. Go to your room. And he'll never disobey again. No, I was already kind of facing an identity crisis. Like, am I allowed to preach a sermon in a hoodie? And then my son made me feel even more insecure. So we'll see how this goes today. Uh, Psalm 23, friends, this wasn't the plan. We had another plan. We felt like God wanted us to change it up. And then our our whole team got together and and we prayed and we voted. And it was unanimous that God wanted Psalm 23. And I told you last week that I was really excited about that because I God was clearly involved in this one. Not that he's not in the others, but he was clearly involved in this one. And I said, my anticipation is up a little bit. My hopes are up. And truly, I'm telling you, I had more conversations this week with people from our church, that just people explaining that God was on the move in their life, that they were, that they were sensing God, leading them to do different things and, and say different things. And I'm just telling you that my anticipation for what God is doing in this series remains high. It was a crazy week for me to hear all that God was doing. And so I've been praying. We were praying this morning right here on this stage that God would remain on the move and maybe even in your heart. You know that feeling where, uh, you know, you go out to dinner with somebody and, and these are like people that they're just like you're they're, your, they're just easy to be with. It doesn't feel like a meeting. It doesn't feel like a box to check. It's just people that you love to be with. And you're in a restaurant, and maybe you get there at six o'clock, and, and maybe there's not anybody else even really in the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't feel crazy. It just kind of feels calm. You got a good server, and you're sitting there, and you're talking, and you're laughing, and the conversation is meaningful. And you look down at your watch, and it's like, man, it's 10 o'clock. Like, we're shutting the place down. That feeling of just being totally relaxed, taking it all in, and having nowhere else to be. That's a rare feeling in my life. But maybe you get it from time to time. I'm hopeful that as we go through this series, we're going to spend four weeks in six verses. It's not very fast. Four weeks in Psalm 23. I'm hopeful that you can have that feeling. The feeling of there's, there's nowhere else to be. We're not going to rush through this one. There's not something waiting for us. Like, let's just relax for a minute and go, God, what are you trying to say through what I would say is the most famous chapter in all of the Bible? We did this last week. I don't know if we've ever done it before, but I kind of liked it. So I feel like 
Let's give it another shot. Would you all stand with me? And we are going to actually read Psalm 23 together. The verse will be up on the screen. This is the most famous chapter in the Bible. Follow me. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. Psalm 23. David wrote it probably when he was older, probably when he wasn't a shepherd. But he was a shepherd when he was a kid. And so he remembers what it was like to be a shepherd. And he says, the Lord is now my shepherd. Even though he's at the top and people are looking to him, the king, to guide them. He says, no, the Lord is still my shepherd. If you noticed, there were four different pictures that were on the kind of the background of what we just read, and it, they illustrate the four different places that God talks about leading David to. In the, on the first picture, it was a picture of a green pasture, and God talks about making David lie down in green pastures, leading him beside quiet waters. And then he says, he guides me onto the right paths, or the paths of righteousness, and then the third place, we'll do this one next week, the dark valleys or the valley, the shadow of death. And then the last place is the dinner tables. God prepares a feast before us in the presence of enemies. And so last week we did the green pastures and today we're going to talk about the right paths. In the famous novel, Alice in Wonderland, or the famous movie, if that is your thing, uh, Alice comes to a fork in the road and looks up in the tree and sees Cheshire Cat and they have this conversation, Alex, or excuse me, Alice doesn't know which way to go in the fork of the road. And so she says, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? And Cheshire Cat says, that depends a great deal on where you want to get to. And Alice said, I don't care, or I don't much care where. And the cat said, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Creepy movie, insightful quote. If you don't care where you go, doesn't matter which path you choose. Take either one. In other words, if it matters to us where we get to or who we become, then it matters which paths we choose. And oftentimes in life, there are right paths and there are wrong paths. A lot of times God gives us a choice between a couple, but, but as we go through life, there's something inside of us and, and there's something inside many of us. And if you, believe that, if you believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then there's, there's the Holy Spirit that nudges you towards right paths while wrong paths are options. Maybe these are some questions that you have asked yourself before. Am I on the right path? Is this path taking me where I want to go? If I keep doing what I'm doing, if I continue in this way, is it taking me where I want to go? Am I becoming the person that I want to become if I remain on this path? 
Those are questions that we ask ourselves. Here's a, here's a deeper question. Here's a better question. Rather than asking, am I becoming who I want to become? Am I becoming who God wants me to become? Slight variation, big difference. It, the question I ask sometimes naturally is, is this taking me where I want to go? The better question, is this taking me where God wants me to go? Sometimes the answer is very different. Where I want to go and where God wants to take me, those are different. But if it matters where you go, if it matters where you end up, Alice, then it matters which path that you take. Let's look at what David writes about paths. There's just three lines today. The first thing he writes is that he refreshes my soul. Then he says that he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. First, David says that he refreshes my soul. This is a little different than God makes me feel good. Or I really like that song, I feel refreshed. Yoga can refresh you, right? Reading a book in a hammock, that can feel refreshing. I don't think refreshing maybe is the best word in the original language as this is written, I think it's better translated in other translations. It says this, it says, David wrote, he converts my soul or God changes the condition of my soul. He doesn't just refresh my soul. That, that seems surfacy. I don't know. It, he converts my soul. That's a deep change. And this begs the question, what is a soul? What would be your answer to that question? What is a soul? And why does the condition of a soul need changed? Why can't it just exist as is? I, I feel like soul, maybe I'm the only one, it feels like an organ, but it's not, right? Like it's like it's invisible, but it's like in here somewhere. And so I, and I've heard a lot of people try to explain soul or describe soul or define soul. Here's my favorite one that I'd like to share with you today. Here's what a soul is. You don't have a soul. You are a soul and you have a body. You with me? You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. And for 73.5 years or whatever it is that you end up living on the earth, you get to have your body. But when your life on this earth ends, the body stays here, but the soul lives on. Maybe you've heard it said before that there's only two things that last forever. It's the word of God and the souls of men talking about our souls. Our souls last and live on forever. So you are, not a, you are not a human body. You are a soul that just happens to be wearing a human body. This is a few of the things that the Bible says about souls. It says that souls, they're different than our hearts. They're different than our minds. They're different than our spirits. It's spoken of distinctly. Souls are created by God. Souls can be strong and souls can be unsteady. Maybe you can relate to having both of those feelings. It says that souls can be lost and souls can be saved. But most importantly, through all of the Bible, and everywhere where it's mentioned soul, it implies that a soul needs to be converted. A soul needs to be changed. The condition needs to be changed. Why does a, why does a soul need to be changed? Because the bad news, the bad news for us is that at birth, we're, we're born with what's called a sinful nature, meaning that our souls need refreshed, our souls need saved. But the good news is that is exactly what God does. God is in the business of refreshing and converting souls. The, the, the secret is that only God can do that. 
Yoga cannot refresh your soul, as David is talking about. Only God can convert and refresh your soul. In fact, it's the reason that God sent Jesus. When Jesus was asked, why'd you come? He said in Luke, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, to seek and to save souls. And then Jesus' buddy, his closest disciple, Peter, wrote in the book of Peter, he, he wrote this poem about souls and about Jesus and about us. And I feel like I just need to read it because he just explains it way better than I can. This is what Peter said about Jesus. He writes, he never sinned, nor he, 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 nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't punch back. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. Oh, you watch. He left his case in the hands of God who always, just, who always judges fairly. Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, to walk the right paths. By his wounds, you are healed. And look at this one. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've returned to the shepherd. There it is the guardian of your souls. You guys, Jesus came to be the avenue through which our souls could be converted. When what Peter writes, this is how he describes us. He says that we're dead to sin, that we need healing, that we're wandering sheep, and that we are essentially unsaved souls in our natural state. But Jesus, he's the shepherd. He's the guardian of our souls and he came, and because he bore our sins in his body on the tree, if you put your, your faith in Jesus, then all those sins are wiped away, and your soul is completely converted. The condition of it has changed, and you are now refreshed. And so I can say the same thing that David wrote, he refreshes my soul. And then as we talked last week, or the next thing David wrote, is that he guides me along the right path. So he's still talking about God. He's still talking about the Lord. And he says that he guides me along the right paths. And remember, we talked, if you were here last week, that God doesn't just want to be your savior. He doesn't just want to convert your soul. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lead you on the right paths for your sake and for his. See, when David wrote this, he was in Israel. And if you know the story of David, he actually grew up. And when he was a kid, when he was a teenager, he was a shepherd. And in Israel, being a shepherd is very difficult because... It is mountainous terrain. Everything looks the same. It's dry. It's arid. It's rocky. It's up and down. Hills everywhere. It's not green meadows everywhere. The green pastures and the quiet waters are actually challenging to find. And if you Google this, if you Googled sheep trails in Israel, you're going to see a bunch of pictures of, it looks like a corn maze. It looks like, I mean, there are just thousands crisscrossing all over the sides of these hills. And so David, when David writes that he guides me along the right paths, he has this mental image in his mind that, that we're sheep and as a shepherd, the shepherd guides the sheep on the right path, not the thousands of the wrong ones. Because the thousands of the wrong ones, they're not going to lead to where the green pasture's at. When uh, there's no way, really, there's no way for a sheep to know which path to take. And so sheep needs shepherds to guide them. Let me, let me just tell you a story to illustrate uh, the difference between following your own path and, and following a shepherd. When I was in seventh grade, 
my dad decided that it was time to teach me how to go deer hunting. And so, so we, we bought all the stuff. You know, I had like the Carhartt everything, orange vest, orange hat, little 20-gauge shotgun. He, my dad bought me waterproof matches. I think we were about 500 yards from a Kroger, and I still needed my waterproof matches. He said, son, we're going hunting. I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. And then he, he gave me one more piece of uh, equipment that he said that I just might need, and he gave me a whistle. He said, son, we're going into some woods that I'm not real familiar with, and so if you get lost... Just blow the whistle and I'll be there. I'll come find you. And so I said, perfect. I feel safe. So we go out there. We're in, sitting in this tree stand together. Didn't see a deer at all. You know, it's like 10 o'clock. My dad's like, I'm hungry. And so it's like, all right, time to go get lunch. So we get down. And as I'm walking out of the woods, I, I see these deer tracks. And I, I think to my seventh grade self, well, if I follow these, I'm going to find a deer. Like if I follow it long enough, it's about persistence. And so... I saw these deer tracks and they're like following this like well-worn path. And I go, this is, why didn't I do this to start with? Why am I sitting in the tree? I'll just follow the deer and shoot them. Cody's laughing because he knows it doesn't work this way. So I just start walking down this path and, and I kind of like, I noticed that there are lots of, you know, places where the deer are veering off and I noticed other paths and I swear, I just didn't even feel like I was gone that long. And I looked up and I realized I was totally lost. Seventh grade Joel was very lost in the woods. Oh, but I have my whistle. <laughs> so I pull out my whistle and I'm like, I just start blowing like as loud as I possibly can. And I don't hear anything. Like my dad is gone. I didn't feel like I was, I was really that far off the main trail, but he is nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be heard. He's not whistling back or anything. And I'm whistling and I'm whistling. And, and my, it, it, I went tail spinning quickly. I can remember thinking if I build a fire, that will keep the wolves away. Like I was, I was gone, you know, I'm whistling, I'm crying, I'm shooting my gun in the air. Like <laughs> this is a true story. I was freaking out. And, and then I start running down these trails, just like trying to find something that I recognize. I end up in this like pine forest, you know, like lots of pine trees. I'm like, and I, I swear this crossed my mind. Have I journeyed so far that I'm in another state? Like that, that was how far I thought I'd gone. Shooting my gun, whistling, dad, weeping. And I, I, I remember I saw this like logging road. And I'm like, that will lead to something, you know? So I'm just going to follow it. And I, I literally started walking down the road. I don't know. I just turned around for a second and looked back and like saw this like field through. I really wasn't that far. It was like a hundred yards. And I saw this field like through the woods and I saw this tractor out in the middle of the field, this old tractor, and, and that was something that I'd seen on the way in. So I'm like, that's it. So I start running, I break through the edge of the forest and I remember I just threw my gun. Not, don't do that, don't do that. I threw my gun and I just laid in the grass crying. <laughs> Whistling, that no. And so I went to the tractor and I found my dad and or I went to the tractor and then I saw the truck from there and I went over and I said, dad, I'm wiping the tears away from my eyes. Dad, I got lost. And he like took a bite of a sandwich. He goes, why didn't you whistle? <laughs> so he's not very good at hearing, uh, but uh, the whistle thing didn't work. I tell that very dumb and embarrassing story to, to illustrate this true point. And I'll show you where this is at in scripture too. It says, I just wrote, like, if we go on the paths that look good to us, it may leave us in a place that we don't want to be. 
And Solomon put that same thing this way in Proverbs 14. He goes, there's a path before each person that seems right. It seems right in our sinful nature state. There are paths before us that seem right. Everybody else is doing them. But in the end, it leads to death. David paints this picture of the right paths. And in his mind, he knows there are thousands to choose from. Without a shepherd, the sheep will choose whatever path seems right to them. And in most cases, listen to me, in most cases, sheep are just going to follow the other sheep. But to find the right path, you don't follow the other sheep. You have to listen to the shepherd. There's a big difference. To find the right paths in life, you got to follow not the other sheep. You got to follow the shepherd because let's be honest, the right paths seem like the wrong paths to most people. The right paths seems like lunacy to most people. To be completely 100% honest in every business interaction and sales pitch, you can't do that and make money. That's crazy. Don't do that. To To donate a lot of your money to a ministry or a church or a missionary, that seems like the wrong path. To, to, to save yourself from marriage. Most people would say, you're crazy. You, you, test car, or you test drive cars before you buy them, don't you? That's what somebody said to me one time when I told him, I was like, ah, I think I'm going to save myself for marriage. You don't do that with cars? I'm like, so, so what I'm saying is that the wrong path seems like the right path to most people and the right path, it actually seems like the wrong path to most people, to go out of your way to forgive somebody who hurt you, to to, to pursue someone with the intent of forgiving them, not to state your case. It seems like a stupid path. Why would you do that? See, the right paths seem like the wrong paths to most people. Without a shepherd, the sheep just follow the other sheep. And you can't find the right paths. There's too many paths. It's too confusing. The world is too crazy. We can't just look around and go, what's everybody else doing? I'll do that. It's probably the wrong path. But to follow the shepherd, that's how you find the right path. Why would God care if we follow the right path? Why would he care? Well, it says, David wrote, that God does this. He guides us on the right paths for his name's sake. What does it mean, for his name's sake? I think it means two different things. First, God wants us to take the right paths because it actually brings honor to God. When, when, if you're a Christian, if you act differently, behave differently, do things differently, it showcases the fact that God has actually made a difference in your life. And if you take the same paths as everybody else, then what that communicates is that God really hasn't made a difference in my life. There's nothing different about my life because I follow God. And that is a misrepresentation of God and who he is and what he wants to do. And so it makes sense that for us to choose the right paths, it would be for God's name's sake. He's a life changer. And God wants the world to know that he's a life changer. And so if our lives aren't are changed at all, if we're not doing anything different, well, then it's a misrepresentation. So for his name's sake, so that the grace of God would be on, on, on display, showcased, then we choose the right path. 
And it also it says, it says, for his name's sake, for God's sake, choose the right paths. And I, I was thinking about this and, and I go, man, when, when my son Judah, the one who called my, my sweater pink, when he is walking through doorways, he's constantly putting his fingers like where the door's going to shut. You know, right, Kenny? He's nodding. Your son does the same thing. We'll have to raise him and teach them our ways. When Judah puts his fingers in there, I go, Judah, you can't put your fingers in there. Cooper's going to shut the door and you're going to break your fingers. They're going to be bloody. You're going to cry. And so for, for, you know what, Judah, for your sake, but for my sake too. You don't want to know why, Judah, because I hate, I hate when you're hurting. I hate it. I'd rather put my own fingers in the doorway than to watch your, your fingers get slammed in there. I'll break all my fingers than, than before you have to go through that. Judah, for your sake, but for my sake, as your dad who loves you, would you just choose the right path? I'm trying to keep you from breaking your fingers. I'm not trying to rip you off. It's, I'm not trying to make all these rules that you don't enjoy life. I'm trying to protect you. And so for your sake and for my sake, for my name's sake, I don't want you to have to go through that because I love you. And so God says, I guide you on the right path. Yes, to bring glory to my name, but, but I hate watching you get hurt. I hate it. You guys, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't plan on sharing this, but I feel like I should. I, I just, sometimes I get this, this mental picture of, you know, there's a group of people and they're on top of a 100-story building right? And, and people start talking about what it might be like and what it might feel like to fall off and jump off. And in this life, there, there, are, there are thrills to be had, right? There's, there's, there's things to enjoy that feel good. There's a thrill to be had. And let's just say somebody else jumps off the side of the building and, and they're looking up at the people at the top of the building and they're like, it feels unbelievable out here. You wouldn't believe the rush. And for a moment, you wonder if you're missing something. You, for a moment, you wonder, is, is, is he getting the better end of this deal? And somebody else at the top of the roof goes, well, if it, if it looks good and it, it seems to feel good for him, I'll try. And so they jump and they look up and they go, the wind, the way that it feels, it's just unbelievable, the thrill. And then another person jumps and they go, this is crazy out here. You're missing it. This is so fun. And the people that are following, excuse me, the people that are falling mock the people that are standing at the top for their obedience to gravity. They mock them, say, you're missing out. You think those are the right paths? These are the right paths. This is where the fun is at, man. But you and I both know that there's a law that's fixed in the universe and it's called gravity. And gravity will not be kind to the people that choose the wrong path. It's not going to work out. There are cheap thrills to be had, but there are right paths that, that we ought to take. There, there are other laws that are fixed in the universe. And the other law is that there are right paths and there are wrong paths. And those that choose to ignore that reality, it's not going to go well. Like you can say, I disagree with gravity. I don't, I, don't, I don't like gravity. This doesn't change the fact that gravity is real. And in the same way, you can say, I disagree with this. I don't like this. I don't want to apply this. You can say it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's real. 
You see, so in this, God is not trying to rip you off. He's trying to set you free and going, this is not the wrong path. It's the right one. I just want you to know, I'm being intentionally vague because I think this applies to different people in different spots. Not given a bunch of specific illustrations because I want God to say whatever he wants to say to you about right paths and wrong paths. Let me share one more thought about right paths and wrong paths. And I want to explain Something that Jesus said that just confused me, man. It really confused me about how I'm supposed to live my life. Because Jesus says two different things in Matthew. One in chapter 7, one in chapter 10. And to me at first, at first glance, they seem diametrically opposed. They, they seem like they cannot coexist. And I've wondered, well, which one is it? Let me, let me read both of you. Or let me read them both to you. This is what Jesus says about paths and about walking the right paths and living the Christian life. This is what he said. In Matthew 7, he said, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. It's a well-worn path that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. This is what Jesus said. He's talking to a bunch of people that want to know what Jesus is about. He goes, listen. There is a wide road, a wide gate. There's a lot of people on it. In the end, it leads to destruction. It's the wrong path. But, the, 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 but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. It's hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. You can't squeeze through it as easily. Not everybody else is doing it. So Jesus says that. Three chapters later, Jesus says this. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. He says, Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So I read those two, and I'm like, wait a minute, which one is it? Is it hard or is it easy? <laughs> In Matthew 7, the road is narrow, the gate is small, few people find it, that seems challenging. If nobody else is doing it, that seems like a heavy burden to bear. To be different, it just, it just, and then, and then three chapters later, hey, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. Come to me if you're weary, you'll find rest for your souls. So on one hand, it's hard to walk with Jesus. On the other hand, if you walk with Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna like it, it's pretty easy. The, 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 the yoke is easy over here. So I was looking at this, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Which one is it? Is, is choosing the right path hard or easy, Jesus? Somebody explain this to me. I'm passing it on to you. It's helped me a lot. I hope it helps you. When you're making the decision which way to go, choosing the right path is hard. It's difficult. It's not the easy route. I, I would think... In a room this size, there's a lot of people currently facing right or wrong decisions. Something's coming up in your mind. To do it as you're making the decision, the gate is narrow. And the way is hard. Not everybody else is doing it. But once you make the decision and once you go, all right, I'm going to have that conversation. All right, I'll do it. I'll be generous. All right, I'll do it. I'll be honest. I'll tell the truth. 
I'll do the right thing. I'll choose the right path. On the back end, Jesus is going, listen, on the back end, the yoke is easy, man. The burden is light. And how that fleshes out for me, on the front end, I drag my feet. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And when I do it, when I, when I choose the right path from time to time, on the back end, I go, man, what took me so long? This is way better. The yoke feels easy. The burden feels light. The burden felt heavy. But I chose the right path. I did the right thing. I did what God wanted me to do. And on the back end, I go, man, I wish I did that more often. This feels like I'm getting rest from my soul. And then the next time God puts a right path in front of me, I drag my feet again. <laughs> but then every time I obey, it's like, man, this is, this is better. This is the better life to choose the right path. David wrote, for his name's sake, not just ours, but for his name's sake. I'm gonna put two questions up on the board. Here they are. Number one, has my soul been refreshed? Have I let God convert and save my soul? Like David wrote. Here's number two. Are there any wrong paths that I'm on right now? And what do I need to do to get on the right ones? Brandon and Austin are going to sing a song here in just a minute. But before they do that, we're going to turn the lights off. And I'm going to give you two minutes to think about that. And consider what step God wants you to take. As always, we'll have our prayer team in the back. And if you want to pray with somebody, we'll be there for you. Thanks for listening. We hope this psalm rings in your head and your heart all week long. To find out more about our church, to attend a service, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com.